Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are message is centered on an action that should take place in our lives as believers. Therefore, every believer here should be doing what I'm going to speak about uh, this morning. As I said earlier, it's not one that I always fully appreciate, but lately the Holy Spirit has shown me the importance, the worth, and the advantages of doing what I'm going to speak about today. Uh, the truth is that when we do this, it not only functions as a tool for our lives, but it works as a weapon in our spiritual walk and in our spiritual lives. Uh, before I begin, how many people here see themselves as goal-oriented? Show of hands if you consider yourself to be goal-oriented. People who like to have a plan, show of hands. All right. How many people consider themselves focused? It doesn't matter if other people don't think you're focused. I'm asking you if you think, you know, because you sometimes think, but if people don't say I'm focused, it doesn't matter what other people think. It's whether you think you are focused. Well, today's word will definitely perform a work in the lives of the people who have answered these questions by raising their hands. If you haven't, I'm, it might be that you are a regular in doing what I'm going to share on today. Or you just tend to overlook it as I did as well. But I told the Lord as of last week that regarding this topic, that I am going to be a different person. Uh, the title of my message is Remember. Uh, let me give you the definition of remember. It means to recall to the mind by effort of memory. Any forgetful people here? Show of hands. It's a lot of us, huh? I tell my wife, remind me often. But she says, I don't want to be like that, like that woman in the Bible that's a dripping faucet and she nags. I said, I'll let you know when you're nagging me, but I, need, I often need reminders because I'm quick to forget. And then she says to me, you don't forget things on the boat, and, which is true. I just need a little help with certain other things. Is anybody here to the point in their lives where they walk into a room and they forget what they walked into the room for? Show of hands, terrible thing. Eh? You stand there and you say, why did I come into this room? I know I came here for a reason. My wife is used to it already. She's used to walking into a room and seeing me there like this. She looks at me, she says, did you forget something? I say, yeah. I said, I came here for something. Thank God for Siri, for reminders. Oh, man. If Siri ever quits on me, I'm in trouble. The truth is, most of us are usually on the go. We're always looking forward to the things that are ahead. And that isn't bad. And as Pastor Rigo came up here this morning and spoke about all these things that are going to be happening. Listen, I won't be here for the next several weeks. I, I plan to come every other month if Pastor Rigo will have me. But when he was speaking about upcoming things that are going to be implemented in the church, I was like, wow, I'd like to know. I, 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 you know, I'd I like to look forward to, to see ahead and, and to have a path ahead of me. And those things are important. Don't get me wrong. I believe that we would be lost without those things. Uh, I'm not trying to change the goal-oriented people, the people who have a plan, the people who, who are focused by all means. Those are the things that are essential in this life. But what I want to let you know today is that 
there's an aspect of remembrance that's really given to us by God. It's an opportunity given to us by God. For those people who are in God, there is something there for us that people who don't have God are alienated to. But many times because we're so on the go, in Spanish is el corre-corre. My mother, you know, she's not here today so I can be a little more honest than I would at my church. But my mother likes to conversate. She calls me every morning to talk. And I'm cool with that. I, I, I'm a morning person. I wake up really early. You know, but every morning she calls me. And she likes to spend about 15 or 20 minutes talking on the phone. But I can't do that all the time. There are several times, maybe once a week, twice a week, where my mother calls me and I'm quick with her. I'm like, Mom, I got to go. I got something to do. No me cuegue. Ya me está colgando. Bye. And she says to me always, she says, no me llore cuando me muere. In other words, don't, try, don't cry for me when I die because you're going to remember these moments when you didn't have time for me. She's like that. God, I mean, listen, moms, listen, moms have a way of showing love and guilt simultaneously. Us dads don't understand that. But we know moms do. Mom have this gift to do that. And it doesn't matter how old you get, you're always their child. And uh, my mom is always complaining when I'm, too busy to give her the time that she feels is important to her. And I think in this life, we get so caught up with so many things. And I, what I want to let you know today is there are times we even get caught up with the things of the Lord and don't take the time to remember. And today I want to let you know just how important remembering is. Because the truth is, you know, some of you might be sitting here remembering Philippians chapter 3 because remember what Paul says there? Forgetting those things which are behind, right? That's biblical. It's biblical to forget the things which are behind and do what? And look forward to the things that lie ahead. But I have this question. Does God want us to forget everything? Scripture teaches us forgetting those things and looking forward. But is it a contradiction to say, stop for a second and take a look back. I don't believe it's a contradiction. When Paul says, forgetting those things which lie behind, he's speaking about the things that used to bind us, the things that used to bring us down, the things that used to bring death to our lives. And I do believe, and I want to make a parenthesis here, I do believe that some people live on past victories. And there's times you got to put that behind you as well and move forward. But because the Bible says forgetting those things which are behind, it's those things that brought death, those things that were unprofitable, those things that, that you're past. And I don't mean past behind you, I mean you're past that. There's something else for you. But that being said, there are events in our past that were orchestrated by the living God. There are events in our past that were orchestrated by the ever-present God that will remind us of who God is, of what God did, and at times, why God did it. Anybody here ever faced a trial? I'm talking about a fiery trial. Show of hands. In that trial, did you ever doubt God? I have. In that trial, did you ever doubt if, in fact, God was actually working in your life? Show of hands. Have you ever asked a question, why? You see, during the trials, 
During that moment when we're being tested, many times, oftentimes, sometimes, we forget who God is. We forget what God is trying to do. And we definitely don't have the answer as to why. But I ask you this. After God brought you those, past those moments, how many of you have looked back and seen who in fact God was? Seen what God was doing? And sometimes he even shows us why he did it. It's important to stop sometimes. For those of you who are just focused to the core, planning things out, always on the go, always moving. I'm speaking to myself here. We have to slow down sometimes. At times, we even have to stop and take a look back and remember what it is God did, who he was during that time, what he was up to. And if he showed you why he was doing it, remember that. Because it doesn't happen all the time when God shows us why. Am I speaking to the right people this morning? I don't know if anybody here feels the same. But when I remember what God has done in my past, it gives me confidence for my future. When I stop and I remember everything that God has done for me, it gives me hope for my future. Any friends? My future is bright because of what God has done in my past. Listen, I have God's word and it's a light and a lamp unto my feet and my path. It is the most important thing in my life. But you know what comes second to that? My experiences with God. The fact that I can stop and I can look back and I can testify that God has been with me. And if God was with me yesterday, then God is with me today. And regardless of what tomorrow brings, guess who's going to be with me? God's going to be with me. Scripture calls us to remember our creator. I love the way the psalmist puts it in Psalm 111 verse 4. It's the first part of that scripture and it says this. He has made wonderful works to be remembered. I find it interesting that the psalmist doesn't say remember God's wonderful works. He doesn't say that. He establishes a truth that God has made wonderful works so that they would be remembered. You know what it implies? It implies that the wonderful things that God has done, he did them in part so that you would remember them. Do you get the difference? It's not look back and remember God. That's part of it. But the essence of what the psalmist says is the reason God did those things is to spark your memory. There's a big difference there. Because the other one, we have to labor, right? We have to stop and remember, right? But this is different. The psalmist realizes that there are things in our lives that God does, just does those things so that they would be remembered. In other words, if he didn't want them to be remembered, he wouldn't have done them. We each possess a past where God remembered us and intervened. Listen, I'm not going to bore you or take too much time telling you about the events in my life that have marked me, that have served as reminders 
of why I believe in God, of who I am, why I do what I do, and why I have surrendered and offered my life up to God. But I'll give you an example. 16 years ago, um, my wife and I had started a church in Connecticut. And um, we went to establish the church in Connecticut uh, with four people that, that were living in Connecticut. Um, that's how we started our church over there. There were four people there. And uh, my wife and I and, and, our, and our oldest daughter, Lauren, uh, we moved up to Connecticut. We didn't have a job. I didn't have a job. Um, I asked God for signs. How many of you like asking God for signs? Signs are good, but, you know, signs don't always come through. Uh, we have to live by faith. That's why the Bible says the righteous live by faith and not by sight. And signs are, we already see it. And God showed me that we were supposed to move to Connecticut and start the church, and I didn't have a job. I told God, give me a job, man. You know, the Bible says that if I can't provide for my family, I'm worse than an unbeliever. That's biblical. But I didn't have a job, and God said, go. So one of the ladies had a, a, a three-bedroom. It's, it's hard to say a townhouse, but that's what it was. But it, it was probably from me to the... Uh, to the sound room and this wide. And it was a three-bedroom townhouse. I could almost put my arms from one end of the wall to the next. How they fit three rooms in there, I'm not sure. But this lady had two sons and a daughter. And uh, she moved out of her master bedroom and gave the master bedroom to my wife, our daughter, and my pregnant wife and our daughter. And we went to start the work over there. And uh, three weeks later, God blessed us. You know, he was able to give me a job. And like two months after that, um, we were able to get our own apartment. And uh, my wife, she was pregnant. She was seven months pregnant, uh, about six or seven months pregnant when we moved up to Connecticut. And um, we didn't have anybody. Uh, all we had was, was the church. And um, <laughs> I say the church, it was four people there, but that's a church. That's a church. And... Um, that Friday night, uh, my wife goes into labor uh, with Emily. And um, a lady that we met up there for four months, um, she told us, uh, you know, her life was sincere and she loved the Lord. And she said, listen, um, when your wife goes into labor, if you need somebody to stay with, with your daughter, I'd be willing to do that. We knew this woman for four months, man. And uh, as crazy as that sounds, uh, we called her when my wife went into labor and she came over our house and she stayed with our daughter. Because, you know, a lot of times you say, oh, my God, I would never. Listen, when all you have is all you have and you, you, your heart tests that person and finds them sincere, you got you to gotta trust God in everything. And um, we left Lauren with her. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was like almost two nights. And I'll tell you why it was almost two nights. Uh, we got to the hospital. My wife went into labor, and she had previously had a C-section with our oldest daughter. For those moms that are here, you know, you know, if you have a C-section once, you should have a C-section all the time. Um, and when my wife went into labor, I'm sitting there in, in the hospital, you know, and I'm just trying to comfort her. Not trying to say a lot, you know, because, guys, it's just best. We're there, you know. Don't say a lot. Just, you know, be there. I learned with my first one. Just shut up, you know, and, and be there. Best you just stay quiet and, you know. Act the act the act the part, and um, I was sitting next to her, and uh, it was getting late, and uh, she fell asleep. So I'm I'm there thinking, you know, I'm, I usually prepare my messages towards the end of the week, if not Sunday morning, uh, but this was different. I was in a hospital, and I had taken my Bible, and I'm like, let me start praying and seeking God and see if He gives me a word for Sunday morning, because uh, I didn't have an associate pastor, I didn't have anybody who could cover me. The four people that were there were new believers, so I had to be at church Sunday morning. So I'm I'm you know. 
starting to read and stuff, and I'm not a night person, so I start to doze off. <laughs> I'm terrible at nighttime. Um, but I hear the, the, the word of the Lord uh, in, in my ear. It was as if God was whispering to me. And uh, we sang a song about that. When God whispers, it's like a shout or something of that nature. And when God spoke to me, he says, I'm the God of the impossible. And I thought to myself, man, what an awesome message for Sunday morning to talk about that the God we serve is the God of the impossible, right? What, what a nice message. And every time I hear that word impossible, it reminds me of that moment. It reminds me. It brings to mind that moment. So it's uh, now probably Saturday morning. And I start writing some things down, and, and my wife is, has, a, had a, has had a long night, and her contractions are getting closer and closer and closer. And uh, the, the doctor wasn't in yet, and there was a midwife there, and she says, listen, I'm going to be here until the doctor gets here. And then my wife started to dilate, and I mean, Emily was coming. And um, the, doctor, the, the midwife says, listen, I know you've had a C-section, and we can have somebody come and give you a C-section, but your, your daughter is small. I, I think that... That, that you can get her out. So my wife remembers the recovery for the C-section, and she says, yeah, let's, let's go for it. So we're there, you know, and she's breathing, and she's pushing, and she's crying, and I'm crying, and I don't know what's happening, you know. And um, uh, my daughter, Emily, you know, she, she's through the birth canal. She gets stuck on the way out because my wife has a, a small pelvic bone. Now, we found that out really after, but... She, she just got lodged there, and, and she, she would not come out. And um, it turns out that her heart rate was going up and down. It would fluctuate. They would do an ultrasound. They would lose the heartbeat for a while. And then they looked at my wife. You know, the babies, you know, they see her head there. And uh, the, 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 the midwife, I don't, remember, I don't remember if the midwife had left and the doctor had come. I really don't remember all that. But I remember one of them looking to my wife. She says, you got to get this baby out now. So my wife started pushing and pushing, and, you know, she's not a screamer, but she screamed a couple times. Finally, Emily comes out. And I remember my, my first daughter, uh, my, my oldest daughter has large eyes, kind of like me, you know, very large, wide-eyed. And uh, when my daughter was, first daughter was born, when they, when they took her out of my wife, she's just, you know, looking around and all that. And when they took Emily out, Emily has kind of like my eyes as well. But when they, took, when they took her out, Emily was, was kind of like not there, you know. And um, when, they, when they took her out, I kind of locked into her eyes, and it was just kind of like, it's like she wasn't there. It's like somebody who's drowsy, you know. And um, they took her out, and they, they, they brought her over, and they started to massage her and all this stuff. And I'm standing there, and my wife's like, is everything okay? And I remember my daughter, my first daughter, when she was born, she cried immediately. She still cries. She's a drama queen. I mean, that she still hasn't, right, Pastor Regal? Right? You can attest to that, right? My, my daughter, you know, she's not here. You can be honest now. She's just, you know, she's, she's who she is. But my second daughter, she came out, and there was no, no crying there. It was, when they took her out, it, she was limp. And they took her out over to, a, to another, to a little bed there in front of us in the room. And I saw them massaging her, and, and I didn't hear anything, and, and um, they didn't, you know, I remember my first daughter, I cut the, the, the umbilical cord with Emily, I didn't have a chance, I'm like, what's happening here, is everything okay? You know, I'm, I'm looking at them working on my daughter, and I'm looking at the clock. For some reason, I saw the second hand, and I saw the second hand where it was, and uh, they're massaging my daughter, and nothing's happening. Um, they, they, they gave her a couple little smacks, and nothing's happening, and my wife is saying, is she okay? And I'm looking over there, and the nurse is saying to me, yeah, I'm like, yeah, she's okay. She's okay. 
And, uh, you know, a couple seconds passed, and, and uh, the, after a couple more smacks, nothing was happening. Then I saw them take out the breathing apparatus, and I'm standing there like, what is happening right now to me? Um, I, I was just at a standstill. My wife is looking at me, Javi, is everything okay? And I'm like, Lori, everything's fine, everything's fine. And I could see the seconds just tick away. By now, it was like 30 seconds had passed. And one of the nurses said, call Dr. So-and-so now. And she screamed like that. I thought to myself, what is going to happen uh, to my daughter? By this time, a, a minute had passed, and my daughter had yet to show any signs of life. She wasn't crying. They kept taking fluid out of her. A minute had passed, and I was just standing there helpless, alone. And after a minute, before my daughter had even cried, I heard the Lord say to me, I told you that I was the God of the impossible. See, for over a minute, I didn't remember the very word that God had spoken to me just hours ago. I was standing there as a father helpless. I was standing there as a father without a God. I was standing there as a pastor without a word that God had just given to me. In that moment, I, I just bowed my head and I started praying. I can't tell you that I held Lori's hands, that I prayed with Lori. I just started praying and asking God. And finally, they said it was almost a minute and 30 seconds. She finally coughed. She finally coughed. And when I, when I wanted to go see her, they said, no, we got an incubator. So they put her in an incubator. And uh, the first moments, hours that I had with my daughter was through an incubator. And the, the doctor comes over to me and he says, you know, she had, a, she had a tough delivery. You know, she swallowed a lot of amniotic fluid. And they had her on the side and she was just constantly... Uh, you know, regurgitating that fluid. And the doctor looks over to me and he says, listen, now we just have to wait and see and, and, and determine how much brain damage she's going to have. And I stood there in that moment. I, you know, I had been, you know, about an hour already praying up. And I looked at the gentleman and I said, listen, um, I don't know what your prognosis is, but I, you know, this time I had remembered. I said, I serve the God of the impossible. And I don't know what's going to happen with my daughter. I don't know what, if any, damage is going to happen. But if there is anybody that can do anything right now, it's my God. And uh, I said, please, I'd like to be alone with my daughter and pray for her. He says, by all means. And um, I began to pray for Emily. And I began to invoke what God had spoken to me. I began to remember what God had spoken to me. And if you see Emily now, you know, there's sometimes I wonder if there's something wrong up there. <laughs> like most 16-year-old girls, but... You know, my daughter's healthy, She's, she, she worships God, uh, and, and that voice she didn't have when she was born, she has a voice that God has anointed, you know, and I look at my daughter, and I can't help but remember that moment. I can't help but remember what God did, but the truth is, I usually have to effort to do that, but that's not the type of life that I'm called to live. That's not the type of life that you're called to live. How many of you have ever had a moment where God has intervened in your life? Show of hands. Show of hands. Don't work to remember those things. Those things should be ever present in our lives. Every time we open our eyes, every time we think, every time we speak, we should speak from those moments. 
where God did what he said he would do, where God did what he promised he would do. That's where we have to live by. Many times we live from the future, and that's why we worry and we contemplate what may happen. I'm not saying don't be focused. I am not saying don't be goal-oriented. What I'm saying is live from your experiences of the God that you serve and the God that has called you. Amen? When was the last time we slowed down to remember what God did? The times when God spared you. There's some of us here, I'm sure, that shouldn't be here today. There's some of us here who should have had an, appointed with, an appointment with death prior to Christ. But Jesus stepped in. Think about when God saved you. Where were you prior to being saved? Who were you prior to Christ? What were the intentions of your heart prior to Christ? What was going through your mind? What were you after before the Lord came for you. Think about how God has protected you to this day. You know, I hate traffic, and I, and I confess all the times that there's an area in my life that's not sanctified. It's my driving. You, if you're next to me or in front of me or behind me on a bad day, you're going to say, oh, my God, is that Pastor Javi? <laughs> I hate to be delayed. I hate traffic jams. But you know what I've realized? There's times where God is doing something and maybe to protect me from something. Now, that doesn't go for being lazy and being late all the time. And you think God is protecting. No, it's not for you. Think about the times that God has delivered you. Where God intervened and delivered you from something, from someone. Think about the times that God has favored you. How many of you know that God has favored you? I love it when God favors me. I love it. When people ask, why, why you? And I say, it's just God, man, I don't know. Think about the times that God has restored you. Any people have been restored in this life? God restored your marriage. You heard about restoring a contract, a career. It goes that and then some, amen? The lives, the homes, the relationships that God has restored. Think how God has redeemed us. God gave and paid everything for us. Think about the times that God has extended mercy to you. The times that God has extended his grace to you. Think about how God has rescued you and me. Think about those moments when God comforted you. When only God can bring comfort to your life. I can go on and on, but remembering God and remembering God's involvement in our past is an important part of our present Remembering God in your past is an important part of your present. Listen, there are times when your encouragement and your strength for the future lies in your past. Why? Because you can look at your past and see that God encouraged you. You can look at your past and see that God was with you. You can look at your past and see that God was there to give you strength. So there are times... When you can't find strength and encouragement for today, stop and look at yesterday. Look at what happened in your past and receive your strength and encouragement for today in your past. There's a portion of scripture that I want to look at this morning, uh, and I think it's fitting for, for this message. Um, it's Joshua chapter 3. Turn there if you would. I'm going to read some scriptures from Joshua 3 and then uh, in Joshua 4. 
Show hands if the word of the Lord is speaking to you this morning. Show hands. Show of hands if the Lord is speaking to you. Amen. Let's start in Joshua chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. This is right before the Lord uh, stopped the waters of the Jordan uh, for Israel's crossing. You know, this generation didn't know what it was like to cross the Red Sea except for, for Joshua and Caleb. Uh, this, this generation were either children, very young, or hadn't been born yet. This is 38 and a half years after the crossing of the Red Sea. So the Lord is getting ready to perform a wondrous work for this generation. So in verse 9, uh, the Lord uh, calls Joshua and says, commands him to speak this to his people. We'll start in verse 9. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you. How many of you know we serve a living God? He says, by this, by this next event, you will know that the living God is among you and that he will, without fail, drive from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites, all the sites you don't want to see. Listen, if the Lord brings me to a flowing river and a couple days before, three days before, Joshua says, get ready because God is going to do something. I want, I want at it already. I, I want to see God do what he's going to do. But Joshua brings him in. He says, get ready. Get ready because this is what's going to happen. First of all, the living God is the God who has called you out. For those of you who love the names of God, this is El Cahi. It's not a famous one, a very popular one. But the living God is El Cahi. God wants us to know that we serve a living God, not a dead God, not a God of the past, a God of yesterday, a God who is stuck there. No, an ever-present God, the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he's just as much glorified in tomorrow as he was in yesterday or today. That's what we have to realize. That God, the living God, is what? Is among you. So many times I lose focus. So many times I ask God to come. So many times I invoke God. Can we please remember that he is where? He's among us. It's important to enter into God's presence. But let us not forget where God is. The omnipresent God is filling heaven. But he's also where? Among us. Is he or isn't he? I love this. He will without fail. See the emphasis there? He will without fail. We have to come to the point in our lives where we remember what God has done and know that if God is calling us to do something, the living God, the living God that is among us, the living God that is among us will without fail. He will without fail. How many times do we lift up half-hearted prayers to God, wondering if God will? It's best to stop. It's best not to pray. James says, he who asks with doubting, let him receive nothing. We have to come to the understanding, to the realization, to the assurance that it is the living God that is among us and he will 
without fail. He will without fail drive out anything and anyone who comes against his will, his plans, or his promises for you. Joshua chapter 4, let's start there. Joshua 4, verse 1 through 3. Joshua 4, 1 through 3, it says, And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan. Why? Because God did what he said he would do. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one from every tribe, and command them saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here. Can you say from here? Out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm, you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. I want to look at some things today, and I want to thank Tito for being a great volunteer. You can work your way over here, Tito, if you want. It'd be good right in front of me. Just like Tito has taken for himself. You see some commands here given by God for Joshua, for the people. That you would take for yourselves. I want to let you know today that there are moments, events in your life that you have to take with you. Moments that you have to take and place upon your shoulder and carry along with you. I know there's many people here with a past in and out of God that you would like to soon forget. I want to let you know there are things you, you must leave behind. But I also want to let you know today here that there are moments, events, difficult moments, difficult events that you have to take with you. They must be held they must be captured. They must be seized in our memory. Next he says, take them from the Jordan. Not take them when you cross the Jordan, right? Don't take them at the shores of the Jordan. Where did these stones come from? From where? You can answer. I know you know it. Tito's doing all right. He'll be all right. you got to take these stones from the Jordan, from where the living God did what he said he would do. The times and places where God works in your favor should mean something from you, for you. See, this stone wasn't visible to the people when the Jordan was flowing, was it? Could they see this stone when the Jordan was flowing? No, they couldn't see that stone because it was covered by water. But when God did what he said he would do, then they were able to see the stones. For those of you who wonder and ask yourself, what is God doing? When will God show me? Relax, be patient, God will show you. There are things in our lives we don't see, we can't capture, we can't understand until God does the work. And when God does the work, you will see the stones. You will see the things that you're supposed to remember. 
Going into it, you may not know what it is you're there for. You may not know why God has brought you to the shores of the Jordan. But when he stops the waters of the Jordan, he's going to show you what it is you're supposed to remember. They were to take the stones from the Jordan. Not on, on either side of the shores, but from the Jordan where the water flowed. Take with you the things you previously didn't see. Take with you the things that are available now that weren't available before. It's God's doing. He's done it with a purpose. How we doing, Tito? We're doing all right? Where were these rocks going to be taken from? Anywhere in the Jordan? No. From where the priest's feet stood firm. You get that? Not just anywhere. You will take these stones from where the priest stood on dry, firm ground. It is from there that you will take the stones. How many of you know that God has called us to stand firm? These were memorial stones. Your memorial stones will be found when you stand firm. If you've had those moments where you've had to stand for God, stand in the name of God, it is from there that you will find your memorial stones. All too often, people who are called by his name are yielding to circumstances, yielding to temptations, yielding to pressures whose foundations are politically correct. They're temporal and at times they're even demonic because they won't stand firm. We have to remember who it is, the God that has called us, the ever-living God, the all-powerful God. And if he is the one who is among us, then we must stand firm. Then he says, carry them over with you. You can walk a little bit. It'll be a little easier. Don't put it down. We're not done yet. <laughs> if you got to rest, put it down, but pick it right back up. Because what did Joshua say? Carry them with you. I can imagine that the 12 men that were carrying a stone were similar to this. Kind of leaving a mark on your shoulder. If anything, have your wife call me. I'll tell her you were with me and you were, a, you were an example today. You were a volunteer. How many of you know carrying that is going to leave a mark? It's weighty. It's not light. It's not easy. But God said, carry the stones with you. He didn't say bring out 12 pebbles, right? He said, carry a stone with you. And carry those stones over with you. Carry the moments where the living God reveals that which was hidden from your eyes previously. Take the victories with you. This is a victory. This is a sign of God's faithfulness. Take it with you. When God opens a path for you, stop and take a memorial stone with you when you've stood firm for God. Remember it. Take it with you. Don't leave it there and say, Tito was here. Because you know what's going to happen? When they crossed over the Jordan, the Jordan was going to flow again. And nobody was ever going to see that stone again. Take those moments with you. 
Don't just leave your mark on those times, in those moments, in those experiences. Take them with you. Take your victories with you. And can I share a little bit of my heart this morning? When you take the victories with you, you know what you should do too? Stop along the way and take a couple shortcomings with you. Take a couple of your failures with you along the way. I'm not preaching condemnation here. But has anybody ever had a pebble of defeat in your life, show of hands? I want to let you know today that there are moments in my life, some pebbles of defeat that I always have with me. You know why? You know why I bring defeat with me? You know why I bring my shortcomings with me? Because they remind me of what happened in my life when I didn't have confidence, when I didn't trust the ever-living God. They are small reminders. Small reminders of my desperate need for God. They remind me, nobody else, just me, they're here. Nobody knew I had this in my pocket, did they? They're mine. That's what's going to define me. You get me? This is going to define me. But I carry a couple reminders with me of my failures and my shortcomings. Because the man that is standing here, I'd love to stand here and tell you I've been perfect with God. Every path that God has opened, I've walked through. Every door that God has opened, I've walked through without any doubt. That's not true. That will define me. And that's what I'm taking out of the Jordan. That's what's going to define my life. But along that path, if there was doubt, if there was worry, if there was a failure, I'm going to stop and pick up a couple reminders. Now, don't live your life with your pockets full of pebbles. That's not good. Right? Because you, you could see that. Right? If I had a pocket full of pebbles, you could see that. And I'd love to stand here today and say, forget about your past. Forget about the times where you failed God. Forget about those moments where you felt so guilty for doing what you did. I'm not going to tell you that today because that's not realistic. That's not reality. It's always good to have a couple of these bad boys just to remind you, right? Just to remind you of who you were when you stepped away from God's grace, God's love, and God's provision. Amen? We're doing good, Tito, almost. I know, we're almost done. And what do you do with that stone? You take it. You take it from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. And you carry it over. But what do you do? Look what he Can we go back to that verse? Tito's good. Tito's good. Don't worry about Tito. <laughs> you shall take it from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them where? Over with you. And leave them where? In the lodging place where you lodge tonight. So you'd what? You'd take that with you. It was a long road. And as they were crossing over until they settled, what would those 12 men bring with them? Those stones. This life is a journey. And there's always going to be a test or a battle that awaits. And it's important to lodge, to rest with the memories 
with the testimonies and the evidence that despite what we go through, we take with us God's promises and proof that he is the living God. Verse 4 through 7, and as soon as we finish here, Tito can put that down. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe, and Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you shall take up a stone on his shoulder. Tito naturally put it up on his shoulder. And he said, Put it on your shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign to you when your children ask you in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? That you shall answer them, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Parents, your children will ask you why you believe in the God that you say you believe in. As adults, we take it for granted many times. I brought that in from my truck and somebody said to me, oh, that's going to be for your message. Yeah, it's going to be for my message. When I placed it here, you know what the kids were saying? What is this? We're so accustomed to everything that we know where everything goes. That's why Jesus said, to inherit the kingdom of heaven, you have to have the faith of a child. Those two girls are saying, what is this for? What is this for? And they said, do you know what this is for? I said, yes, yeah, for my message. They start, they're like, tell me what it is. I said, I can't yet. It's for the message. They were intrigued by it. Parents, our children are going to be intrigued by our faith. And our faith can't be church. Our faith can't be good experience. Our faith can't be wholesome time together. Our faith has to be evidence, experiences of, with the living God. People are going to ask you, why are you so committed to your convictions? Because of that. Because that is proof that God was with me. May we never forget whom we serve and to whom we belong. Amen? Amen. Let's stand this morning. Thank you very much, Tito. See how light that guitar is now? If he ever thought that the guitar was a burden for him, now he knows it isn't. Um. Even for me, this has been a different message for me. Usually, my messages are about, you know, things of this life and things that we have to get right and things that, that God is out for and he's, he's, he's calling out to and for and from us. But for me, I recognize that this has been different than the way I, I usually share. Um, my wife told me, she says, you know, that, 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 that sounded not like you. I enjoyed it, but that sounded so not like you. It's not usually your style of message. And I acknowledge that. And uh, this morning, I'd like to do something a little different. Um, I mentioned at my church, you know, that, that this life has become so much, uh, so many things for so many people. But we can't forget the things of God. We can't forget the, the basics of this life. We can't forget the things 
that are important to God. You know, um, I'm going to just speak from my heart here, but even this altar, you know, we do so much on, on our altars at church, don't we? Uh, we come here a lot to ask. Uh, we come here a, a lot to, to be broken by God. Uh, some people say bring all the, the, the things that, that you want to get rid of and all that stuff and put them at God's altar. You know, we, we do a lot of stuff, and, and the majority of the stuff that we do at God's altar is, is okay. There's nothing wrong with it. But do you know that God designed an altar in the Bible? And do you know what that altar was designed for? Do you know that in that altar you never asked? Right? At God's altar, you never received God's altar wasn't a place that we went for to ask for something. And please don't misunderstand me. You get what I'm saying here today? Many of the things, if not all the things that we do at, on this altar, God is okay with those things. But let us not forget. Let us remember what God's altar was all about. God's altar was only to give to God, never to receive from God. God's altar was an altar of sacrifice. It was never a place where we went to receive. And as the church sometimes, we see this as a place for the needy, which it is at times. There's times where the altar takes, takes the place for the place of the needy, for the people who need, for the people who want. And that's fine. But beloved, never forget what the altar is all about. The altar is all about sacrifice. The altar is all about giving. The altar is about offering. So this morning, I want to open the altar for those people who simply want to offer a sacrifice of remembrance to God. I want to open this place up today for anybody who wants to take a moment and remember God and remember his faithfulness, remember his goodness, remember that the living God is among you and he will without fail drive out from before you anything and everything that opposes his will, his word, and his promises for you. Amen? So the altar's open. If anybody wants to come up, let's come forward and let's offer up a sacrifice of remembrance to God. You know, today's not a day about asking God for anything. If it's been a while since you remember... If you've been so busy, take this opportunity and stop and approach God's altar and bring to memory who it is that has called you. Come before God today and at his altar, set ablaze a sacrifice of praise, thanking him for his grace over your life. For his calling over you and your family. For God's provision, for God's blessing. Take this moment today and approach the altar of God and thank God for the way he has prospered you.
bring with you those memorial stones. Pick up those heavy moments where God revealed something that was previously hidden from your eyes. Come before God today and thank Him with me. Could we thank God together? Could we remember Him? Would you allow the Holy Spirit to remind you of just how good God is? Of how undeserving we were Could you come before the altar of the Lord and say to the Lord, count me as one of those who will carry over memorial stones from the place where the priests stood firm. I want to stand firm. I want to take a stone from where I stand firm. I want to carry them over for me, for my well-being, for my family, for my marriage, for my church. How many people here are willing to stand before God and say, Lord, make me a stone bearer. Carry them over with you. Make them yours. Take them where you lodge. Take rest in the memories, the testimonies, and the evidence that the living God is among you and he did what he said he would do and he will continue to do what he says he would do. He will without fail. God will without fail work for you. He will without fail work for your home, for your church. Father, we remember you, O oh God. That we would not have to be reminded by circumstances and by trials, but that we would willingly carry along with us memorial stones, boulders, oh God, proof that El Kahi, the living God, is among us, that we would remember. That we would rejoice in. That we would boast. That the living God is among us. And that he will without fail do what he said he would do. We remember you today oh God. We're here today asking for nothing. But lifting up before you oh God. A sacrifice of praise a sacrifice of remembrance I remember you oh God can you say that to him today I remember you Lord I remember you I remember your love your mercy your grace your redemption your forgiveness I remember your call I remember your favor oh God may we be quick to remember and even quicker to speak 
to our little ones, to the ones who will ask why, what is that? What has God done for us? May we be quick to remember. May we be bold to speak all that you've done. We bring to memory today the goodness and the faithfulness of the living God that is among us and who will, without fail, do what he said he would do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen.